0: My mother was a woman of tremendous integrity. My mother was curious, sensitive,
1: compassionate, honest, always there for us, unflappable, loyal, complicated. She is devoted, resilient, dazzling, giving, vivacious, extraordinary.
0: She came to see me here in Langley in the Pacific Northwest, and within three nights, she was being walked home by the owner of the, um, of the doghouse saloon. <laughs> she was closing the place down, and she knew everyone in the town. And for months afterwards, everyone would be saying, oh, you're Mary O'Sullivan's son, and my mother had only been there for three
1: weeks. Mama, this is Our Mothers, Ourselves, and I'm your host, Katie Hafner. In this strangest of holiday seasons when so many of us are missing the closeness of family... I'm not sure it's really just cheer we could use, though though that's certainly welcome, but something that might transport us in a different way. The wisdom of the poet and philosopher David White, especially when it comes to the wonderful relationship he had with his mother, Mary O'Sullivan, could be just what the doctor ordered. So here's to hoping that my recent conversation with David about his mother, And their elemental bond will feed your mind, raise your spirits, and soothe your soul. David White, thank you so much for coming on to Our Mothers, Ourselves, to talk to me about your extraordinary mother, Mary O'Sullivan, whose life we will celebrate for the next half hour or so.
0: Marvelous. I look forward to that very much.
1: If you had one word to describe your mother what would that word be?
0: Lyrical. Yes, lyrical. And uh, in the sense of joyously articulate. And she was also a great singer. And uh, lyrical in the sense uh, of uh, lyrics being used to convey love and affection. And she was very good at that too. So uh, yes, I've never thought of that before. So lyrical, definitely fits her uh, character and her uh, her very Irish background too.
1: That's lovely. Mm. So let's plunge right into her life from the beginning, the life of Mary O'Sullivan, where she was, when she was born, where she was born, who her parents were.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I grew up uh, thinking she was born in Waterford, and uh, uh, because it was always Waterford, Waterford, Waterford. I also grew up with about five alternative child, childhoods for my, for my mother. So um, it was only when I reached my teens that I realised that this was quite extraordinary that I had all of these these different childhoods for my mother. And she never told the same story twice. Either you know, if it was a bedtime story, I never heard. I never heard it exactly as it was, as it had been told the night before. But I did find out, actually, many years later, that my mother was actually born in Dublin, while her mother and father were there, probably probably working.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, it was 1932, so uh, it was hard scrabble existence in a very difficult, dark Ireland. It was uh, was run, you know, by the church and a very conservative government and, uh, who knew what the people should want. Uh, um, but, um, I think my mother had, uh, had quite a wonderful early childhood. Uh, they, they, uh, moved backwards and forwards, it seemed, between Waterford and Dublin. Mm-hmm. And it was only years later that I found out that my mother spent a lot of time in hospital with polio. Mm. So, she, uh, but she recovered fully, but I think it, uh, uh, I think it really formed her character. Of course, so many, so many kids had polio in those days until vaccination came along. And uh, I think uh, my mother was quite remarkable in that any kind of trials uh, that came along seemed to make her character more generous and more compassionate to others. Somehow every difficulty she had enabled her to understand how difficult life was for others. And I felt that with everything, really, um, including you know the most um, marked uh, moment in my mother's life was when she lost her own mother at 13 years old. That was the defining moment uh, in the woman who bore me's life. And uh, I felt that sadness and grief and shock, in a way, passed down into my body as I, as I heard the story from my own mother. I always remember in bed, uh, sitting there when I was very young, uh, as my mother told me her late-night story. And uh, my, light, my light never worked in my room. There was a bulb there, but it never worked. So my mother would always have the door cracked open a little bit, and there was a light on the landing, you know, the area at the top of the stairs one of the great memories from my childhood is is that my mother's silhouette against that light, against the door cracked open and the light on the landing behind her. Mm-hmm. Mother's voice emanating from that shadow. Uh, and uh, often it would be English, sometimes it would be Irish. She had a good amount of Irish in her. There was a Gaeltacht area very near where she grew up. And uh, I do remember once hearing not only my mother's voice but my mother's mother's voice speaking to me and then even on in another story i heard my mother's 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 voice speaking it was like a direct female line being passed down into my own body
1: you mean uh, audio apparitions
0: yes yeah and the grief of that break in a way that temporary break with with her own Mother. When we were all gathered around my mother's deathbed at the end, um, I remember my sister shouting out, uh, She's waiting for you. And we all knew who my sister meant. It was my mother's own mother, oh. who she'd missed so much you know, since she was 13 years old.
1: So I'd like to hear the story of how she lost her mother.
0: Yes. Well, it, uh, <clears throat> it, uh, I think there was an there was a, an aura of dread in the house because uh, my mother's mother had to take to her bed, and the bed was in the house. It sounds like my mother's mother had uh, heart disease because her ankles and legs were swollen. So, mm-hmm. and so um, obviously the doctor was shaking his head when he came, and uh, and you know there was a, a quiet kind of uh, understanding in the house that my my uh, grandmother wasn't long for this world but my mother couldn't quite believe it but she spent all the time she could by her mother's bed but at the same time uh my mother was enrolled in a singing competition if you're ever in ireland there are musical competitions
1: right fiddling Mm -hmm. yes
0: and she kept winning every round she had a beautiful voice my mother and then my grandmother was getting worse and worse and then uh my mother sang her way to the finals, which were held at the theatre in the town. And the evening came for my mother to go down to that theatre to sing in it. <clears throat> uh, but she didn't want to leave my grandmother's bed. But my grandmother kept telling her to go, you should go, you should go, you should go, leave me, I'll be grand, I'll be grand, as they say in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And, um, and usually when someone says I'll be grand, it means leave me alone. <laughs> and <laughs> Do right. what you need to do. Right. So... Uh, <clears throat> Um i'll be grand uh, and my mother knew she wouldn't be grand actually and but eventually my grandmother persuaded my mother to go down to the singing competition, even though it went against my my mother's conscience and intuitions. so she went to the theater and she won the competition actually <laughs> with a song called A mother 's Love is a Blessing. Oh. Uh, an old uh, cliched song, but I yes. can imagine my mother singing it in a way which would have probably, you know, under the circumstances, have uh, yeah, not left a dry eye in the house. And uh, and when she got back to her own house, uh, her mother had passed away. Oh,
1: and probably my... while she was singing that very song.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. So my mother was so shocked, you know, and felt so badly at having left her mother, she just ran out of the house. And she ran through Waterford City and out into the countryside to my, to my uh, great-uncle Davy's house with her, uh, her aunties. Uh, my great-auntie Nancy who was still alive, actually, almost 90 years old. And, then, uh, and they took her in, you know, And uh, she must have arrived sobbing at the door. And then uh, she sang the song again for them while she was there.
1: Oh my!
0: Yeah. And uh, (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) And the uh, the lovely thing was was just a few years ago, I took my own I took my own uh, daughter to see my great auntie Nancy for the first time. And uh, Nancy asked her to sing. And, uh, my daughter sang that song for her. So after, after, uh, 70 odd years, you know, um, so. Holy smokes.
1: Years. And just that yeah. song, you know, it's a very, it's a very schlocky, that kind of hallmarky song, right? I well, re-
0: any song can become transcendent, you know, if it's, uh, if it's in the body, if it's filled, uh, with grief and presence, you know, and, uh, you know someone who's got a bit of genius about them can always make something real and new, and particularly if that experience is in is fully in your body, which it was in my mother's yeah so that was uh that was a real break uh, in my mother's life. Um, their family life was never the same again
1: after your grandmother died what what did your mother do what happened to oh,
0: her this life? is part of the history of the bad old Ireland, you know, and that's one of the reasons i I was born in the north of England and grew up in England uh, because of the, uh, the terrors of the church at that time. You know, the, the church in Ireland was a very, very oppressive organization, and it uh, was also hiding a great deal of dark sin, which was perpetrated upon who trust, on people who trusted them, particularly children. They were kind of a dark hand on uh, society and the church split apart my mother's family because they didn't th- in their in their wisdom they didn't think their dark wisdom they didn't think that a father should be in charge of children by himself so they took the boys away and they put them in uh, in commun- uh, Christian brother communities where i'm afraid they were terribly abused oh
1: nice. uh, so these are your uh, mother's two brothers
0: exactly and uh, I don't know what the sisters were threatened with, but they were threatened to be taken somewhere, who God knows one of those laundries they had. And they fled the country. And uh, first of all, my Auntie Anne went. She was 16, so she had a passport. She went across to Britain, and she, uh, she posted her passport back for my, for my mother, who at 15 went to England by herself.
1: She sent her passport back for your mother.
0: Yeah, to, to be able to go across on the ferry to England, yeah. So, she, so it looked as if she was 16. So, and there they were, you know, in England, uh, 15 and 16, and, uh, and uh, they had to find work right away. So when my own daughter reached 15, I couldn't believe that my mother had had to go out into the world, you know, by herself at that age. So my mother found work in Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, in one of the dark satanic mills. Although she was with a lovely family, it turned out she had luck and she was taken in by a really, really nice family near Haworth, where uh, the Bronte sisters lived and grew uh, under the moors, uh, not far from where uh, from where I was eventually born. And my mother was so young that she would she would put in an eight-hour shift in the mill, and then she'd go and play in the park afterwards because she took me there one day to the mill to show me the village and the where she'd worked and then the park where she played at the end of the day. So you can imagine that extraordinary compression of childhood and forced adulthood on a young woman of that age.
1: And the compulsion to play, a beckoning yeah. playground. Exactly. So... Then did she stay in Yorkshire and she met your father? She
0: did. Apparently she spent a little time in Birmingham working.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, uh, but uh, Yorkshire kept drawing her back. And uh, eventually uh, she found herself in Murfield, which was the town that I was born in eventually.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, um, and uh, she stayed in a hostel at the top of a very, very long, very, very steep hill called Hopton Hill. And uh, so my mother would have to walk up that hill. And so my mother met my father at a dance at the local armory. And uh, my mother said she knew my father was serious because he would walk her up Hopton Hill (laughs) to the top. (laughs) You had to be serious. And uh, so um, they fell in love. And uh, this uh, young uh, Yorkshire fellow with this young lyrical... Irish woman. And I was, uh, my father was just out of the Navy and, uh, and I was born just a few short years later.
1: You have a great poem by the way, um, called born again, where you talk about how you would like to be born again because of the circumstances of your birth.
0: Oh Uh, yes. Yes, that's right.
1: So, uh, do you remember that? Should I dig it out? I just love it. Oh, actually, I've I've got it right here. Let me just read you the, the little bit. Yes. I want to be born again, but I want to be born exactly as I was, almost between things, as I was in this life, and as I want to be in the next. Mary Teresa O'Sullivan, nine months gone, carrying me back to England, her pains sharp in Waterford, sharper in Dublin, the Hard Rolling Bench of the Ferry, Almost My Midwife.
0: Ah, uh, well read. It's great to hear it coming back, actually. Yes, um, I was almost born in Dublin, actually. And then I was almost born on the ferry. Typical
1: uh-huh.
0: that she'd, you know, she'd make plans to go to Ireland when she's eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> <She'd>, <laughs> ah, Jesus will be all right. We'll be grand, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and my father persuaded to go with, with her, too. She was a great adventurer, my mother, and there'd be very little would stop her. Her sister, my Auntie Anne, was just the same. And uh, actually, I always remember taking them to Ireland. I took them across uh, in, uh, in a rental car, you know, to, uh, to Ireland. Uh, and then we went down to see all the relatives in, in Waterford. And it was one long party, really, for my from my mother and my auntie Anne, and then at the end of it, uh, I tried to get them up in the morning to because we had to be on the road to Dublin, you know, to catch the ferry. Well, getting them out of bed and getting them out of the house, my god, you know, and 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 then there were roadworks all the way. By the time we got to Dublin, we'd missed the ferry, so I looked at them both standing guiltily there and I said, Right, I said, I'm going off into, into the town, I'm going to the to uh, to the museums. I'm going to look around Literary Dublin and I'll see you at five o'clock. And then they both looked at me with these faces and I knew what these faces were saying. The faces were saying, we don't have a penny left between us. <laughs> 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 and it was true. And they said, you don't have a penny left, do you, between you? And, um, and they said, we don't. And so... I don't know. I gave him thirty quid or something, and and off they went into the town. We met later to to catch the ferry, but that's the way my mother was. You know, she would uh, she 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 didn't have a need to have any structure in place for her to go off and and adventure in the world. And and I think that's uh, that's how she met my father. That's how she came by me. That's how how uh, I was almost born in Dublin and uh, just made it back to Yorkshire in time, yeah.
1: What is your first memory of her maternal love?
0: Oh, I've got this astonishing memory. Um, I was just thinking about it uh, when I was walking uh, around this morning, just thinking about this interview. And um, I was in the park with her in Murfield, Ingsgrove Park it's called, and it was a beautiful sunny day and I was holding my mother's hand. I was probably three years old or something, or four, I don't know. I looked up at my mother, and my mother looked down at me. And I, and I felt so much love emanating from my mother. I felt as if I was looking at the sun, So it was just as if the sun's rays were filling my body with affection and a sense of being wanted. Uh, But I had an absolutely visual sense of looking straight into the rays of the sun, and that was my looking straight into the the rays of her love and affection. It was quite a shock and surprise to me later uh, as I grew into life to discover that so many people didn't have that experience with their mother, I couldn't quite believe it. You know, I couldn't believe that anyone could be that motherless in the world. You know, even with a with a physical mother by your side, I, it was something that that it took me time to actually understand. Uh, and um, you know, through the experience of my schoolmates, and then. Um, as you grow older and you're you're able to take more of an understanding of other people's uh, griefs and traumas you know to understand what kind of of uh, break that causes you know in a person's sense of themselves you know not to have that astonishing um, sunbathe sunbath in that in that form of love and affection you
1: know. It sounds also like maybe she, part of her inheritance was the love she got from her own mother that she could give to you.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, all of us felt that, that, in my two sisters and I, you know, that, that love was being passed down uh, in an intergenerational gift. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, it was interesting, you know, because on my father's side, uh, the masculine affection was not passed down. You know, it was uh, my father had a very difficult relationship with his father. And that's partly because my grandfather was uh, was traumatized in the trenches of the First World War you know, for two years um, amidst the mud and corpses of Flanders. So uh, um, we always felt intuitively, my sisters and I, that my Father was apprenticed to my mother's ability to love and uh, was uh, a student, you could say. Uh, And I'd say, you know, in later life, he proved to be a very good student, actually. Uh, A difficult man in his 20s and 30s became a very mellow, very affectionate and very loving father, so... Um, uh, it was lovely to s- it was lovely to see that apprenticeship uh, to my mother's love
1: and the very fact that he was open to the apprenticeship. You know, becoming a mother, and you know, I think that there's a spectrum of how we how we view our mothers, and it's either as as you clearly do as this incredibly loving, nourishing person with whom you have a truly elemental bond. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it's the person who simply gave birth to you and everything in between.
0: Yeah, I had this very <clears throat> elemental experience of the other side of that coin too when my mother died um, because I had this very powerful intuition that she was gone from us completely. And she needed to be gone from us and from me. And that she had other fish to fry, as they say. She had another life to live that was independent of her being a mother. And that was quite a you know, that's quite a shock to her to the firstborn son of an Irish mother.
1: <laughs> so this is that you had this intuition after she died.
0: Yes. Yeah, I so did. Yeah.
1: L- tell tell me when she died and how she died what her later years were like?
0: Well, we had this, um, uh, first of all, we had, um, this remarkable rehearsal of her death, um, a good three years before, uh, she did pass away where she was in hospital and we were sure she was going to go. And, uh, and then we were there, you know, for a, a week or 10 days. And I was with her every day, um, a good few hours. And, uh, And my mother was having these uh, very powerful experiences when she'd fall asleep of being with all her relatives and especially the ones who had passed away. Um, And that she was meeting them again. There was a lovely dance hall in Waterford City. She would go there and visit, you know, and and all her friends from when she was 16 would say, there you are, May." they used to call we called her Mary, uh, but uh, she was called May, where she grew up. There you are, May. You're back to see us all. And she'd have this great evening. Oh, she'd be sat in the pub drinking with her uncles and aunties. And and, and I remember one afternoon when uh, she said to me, uh, okay, you can go now. It's opening time. <laughs> Meaning the pubs were <laughs>
1: <open have> to... <laughs> in the
0: parallel world, and that's where she was going. She was looking forward to falling asleep, to having these experiences. <laughs> and so i was i was sure she was about to go because this is you know this is a very very powerful ancient thread that you meet that on the other side the first people you meet are your are the people you've loved and missed in your life yeah
1: mm. and who
0: whether it's true or not it's a very ancient experience yeah and uh, and then she had this dream while i was sat by her bed actually and that was that she was back at that dance hall in waterford she was 16 again they were all there to greet her so happy to see her you know? and her uncle john was there who she was very close to and she turned around to look at john and she saw there was a door behind john and there was a handle on the door and my mother said to john in the dream what's behind the door john And John said, May, you don't want to go through there just yet. But in the dream, my mother was fascinated by this door. So she put her hand hand on the door to go through. And then she felt John's hands in the middle of her back and push her away with with a huge shove back into the dance hall. That was the moment that my mother woke up and started to get better again. So, and I was there, you know, to greet her and she, she said, oh my God, I was just with John and and he stopped me going through this door and I'm back, oh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling a lot better, you know. And So it was just as if she got to the door where she she could have left, you know, could have left her body and there was an intercession of someone who had loved her to say, no, your time's not up yet, yeah. It was really a remarkable time, and uh, I bought my mother and father a little cottage um, so that they could move out of the house, which wasn't appropriate for them because it was the top of a hill, and you, if you walked 100 yards away from the house where I grew up and you were, you had to go back uphill to the house. So I bought them a lovely cottage very close to my sister's house, and, and we had these three extraordinary years, actually, with them in that beautiful cottage, Rose Cottage. My mother was incredibly happy. So we we had this amazing gift of these last three years, and uh, until my mother started to to uh, say the last farewells again, mm.
1: and what um, what year was that? Uh,
0: it would be two thousand and two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So this be- really beautiful poem you wrote, farewell letter. I'm wondering if you might recite it.
0: Yes, this was. Uh, you know, when you do lose someone close to you um part of you is intuitively looking for a word or a sign from them uh this is a very common experience too that people feel if they see a rainbow suddenly or they'll feel as if it's the departed speaking to them or a bird singing at the window part of us is curious as to where they are and uh and what they're doing um and I had this—I had this deep fascination with where my mother might be, <laughs> imaginatively or in reality. And uh, and then I, uh, one night in the cottage, I was there with my father. Um, I uh, I had this incredible dream of receiving this letter from my mother. It was in my mother's handwriting, addressed to me. And I knew, as you do in a dream, I knew that the contents of the letter would tell me where my mother was and what she was up to. And so I started to open the letter. And as I was opening the letter, I woke up and I couldn't believe it. I was so (laughs) frustrated. And and I did everything you do. You know, I put my head back on the pillow in the same way. I tried to (laughs) fall asleep again to get back into the dream. No luck at all, you know. And then I sat up and I said, listen, David, there's a part of you knows exactly what is in that letter. So go to the kitchen table now, get a fire going in the grate, and write what your mother said to you in the letter. So I did. It was about six o'clock in the morning. My father was still asleep. And uh, this is the piece I wrote, farewell letter. She wrote me a letter after her death. And I remember a kind of happy light falling on the envelope as I sat by the rose tree on her old bench at the back door. So surprised by its arrival, wondering what she would say, looking up before I could open it and laughing to myself in silent expectation. She wrote me a letter after her death. And I remember a kind of happy light falling on the envelope as I sat by the rose tree on our old bench at the back door, so surprised by its arrival, wondering what she would say, looking up before I could open it and laughing to myself in silent expectation. Dear son, dear son, it is time for me to leave you. I'm afraid that the words you are used to hearing are no longer mine to give. I'm afraid that the words you are used to hearing are no longer mine to give. They're gone and mingled back in the world where it is no longer in my power to be their first original author nor their last loving bearer. You can hear motherly words of affection now only from your own mouth and only when you speak them to those who stand motherless before you. You can hear motherly words of affection now, only from your own mouth, and only when you speak them to those who stand motherless before you. As for me, I must forsake adulthood, and be bound gladly to a new childhood, You must understand this apprenticeship demands of me an elemental innocence from everything I ever held in my hands. I know your generous soul is well able to let me go. I know your generous soul is well able to let me go. You will in the end be happy to know my God was true. And I find myself, after loving you all for so long, in the wide, infinite mercy of being mothered myself. P.S., all of your intuitions were true. As for me, I must forsake adulthood and be bound gladly to a new childhood. You must understand this apprenticeship demands of me an elemental innocence from everything I ever held in my hands. I know your generous soul is well able to let me go you will in the end be happy to know my God was true. And I find myself, after loving you all for so long, in the wide, infinite mercy of being mothered myself. P.S. All of your intuitions were true.
1: I just love that line, you can hear motherly words of affection now only from your own mouth in other words what I have taught you Mm.
0: exactly
1: and only when you speak them to those who stand motherless before you all those people you referred to earlier who might have living mothers but who didn't receive that radiant light yes (sighs) So before we wrap up, uh, I have to say this has been just such a true pleasure. Uh, I'd love to try another exercise with you here. You know, you have these wonderful uh, kind of the leitmotifs of your work, I call them. And I was wondering if we might try to apply them to Mary O'Sullivan. So what I'm going to do is ask you for a word, much like at the very beginning where you used the word lyrical to des- to describe your mother. And I'd like to see if you can summon a word, since words are your fort,
0: yeah.
1: uh, for the following Mario Sullivan's pilgrimage.
0: Um, blessing, yeah, yeah, blessing yes. is such a part of the Irish tradition. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say one thing about the word blessing because the understanding was passed to me from my mother about what a true blessing is, which is not just to wish someone well. That the genius of a true blessing is to wish something for them that they did not even know they needed themselves until they heard it from your mouth that's a true blessing so i wish a blessing for my mother and uh, maybe be be a surprise and a gift back to her for everything that she gave to me on her Mm. onward road
1: mary o'sullivan's inheritance
0: gratitude Gratitude for all the difficulties, yeah, all the griefs and the pain and uh, the trauma and the exile from her country. Gratitude even for that, yeah, it's mm-hmm. all part of what uh, what made us. Yeah.
1: And maybe for the compassion it gave her.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: And the last one, Mary O'Sullivan's invitation.
0: Uh, to Mary O'Sullivan's invitation was always to having a good time. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> <I can tell. laughs> a lightness of heart. She came to see me here in Langley in the Pacific Northwest, and within three nights, she was being walked home by the owner of the um, of the doghouse saloon. <laughs> she was closing the place down, <laughs> and she knew everyone in the town. And uh, so I felt like a stick in the mud, Mr. Stick in the mud, Mr. Conservative stick in the mud. My, and uh, and for months afterwards, everyone would be saying, oh, you're Mary O'Sullivan's son. And my mother had only been there for three weeks and come <laughs> <laughs> back Amazing. So, yes. Yeah. 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 The invitation to to uh, kicking your heels off and dancing and having a great time. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, David White, I'd like to thank you so much for this. What a treat and a gift.
0: Lovely. Well, it's been a marvelous, uh, marvelous um, opportunity to talk about a really extraordinary woman who transformed almost everyone she came across, not just her, her very loving son. Thank you.
1: A love's a blessing. And that's Our Mothers, Ourselves for this week. Our theme song was composed and performed by Andrea Perry. Paula Mangin is our artist-in-residence. And Alice Hudson is the show's producer. A special thanks to Thomas Crocker at Many Rivers Press for permission to use David's poetry. And the late Bridie Gallagher for her beautiful rendition of A Mother's Love's a Blessing. Don't forget to visit OurMothersOurselves.com and contribute your word to the Mother Word Cloud on the website. Our Mothers Ourselves is a production of Odredex Studios in San Francisco, and I'm your host, Katie Hafner. Have a great week, everyone.